And I think there's a bunch of people who are like, I'm a better person now that I've spent more time with my family or reconsidered my priorities, etc. I'm pretty sure I'm a worse person than I was two years ago. I I keep hearing stories of growth and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've contracted actually on most measures and I'm okay with that. Welcome to the Alicia Mackay Show. On this episode, we ask, can you trust your own brain? Is being around people good for you? And we wonder, how real are the risks of being eaten by a crocodile? Kia ora, good morning everybody and welcome to the Alicia Mackay Show on Friday the 20th of May. Uh, I am coming to you from in front of a fire. I mean, not a real fire, it's not wood, uh, but a gas fire. I'm coming to you from in front of a fire, which uh, is honestly my favourite place to be. I'm in Queenstown. It is cold. Uh, the South Island's just had a cold snap come over us in the last kind of day uh, and it is pretty cold. There is snow on the top of the Remarkables and there is nowhere I would rather be. So, But I'm basically just humble bragging that I'm in Queenstown and not only am I in Queenstown, but uh, two days ago I had my first helicopter experience, which was quite exciting. Uh, so I'd never been in a helicopter before. Uh, it's a little bit freaky, quite loud and you get high places quite fast. So, you know, that was good. Now, Cam, you're also not at home. Where are you joining us from this morning? I'm joining you from Melbourne in Australia. I have crossed the Tasman once again for a jaunt and I'm currently in uh, my previous residence where I lived in Melbourne and it's 6am, so I'm bright and sunny here. It is Federal Election Day in Australia tomorrow. Now, that has been obviously a pretty important topic of what's going on, so that's the buzz here. Now, I had intended originally to stay most of the time in this house where I used to live. But just before I got on the plane, my brother told me that my nephew, Oscar, has COVID. So that put a bit of a spanner in those works. So I thought, oh, no worries. I'll go and hang out with my other brother, Cole. And turns out he has COVID too. And so there was a bit of a change of plans. I ended up spending most of the week at my mother's house where I grew up. And that was an absolute delight. Probably would not have planned to spend that much time with mum, but... The change of plans that came because of the COVID uh, forced circumstances meant that mum and I have had a delightful week together. Cute. What are you and your mum been doing? Well, basically sitting in front of the fire like you have. The uh, the house I grew up in is out in the Burbs in Eltham. It was on the very fringe of Melbourne when I was a kid. It's now pretty much ensconced in suburbia as Melbourne has expanded. And we used to spend most winter evenings all as a family sitting down in the lounge room by an open fire. And that is what we've been doing. It's been an absolute delight. And because of the extended time we've had together, we ended up talking about a whole range of topics which probably wouldn't have come up uh, had I not spent the the extra days and some of that was discovering travel diaries. So I was very fortunate as a kid. I've got two brothers and my parents took both of us on a couple of big overseas holidays when I was nine and 11. One of them was to New Zealand uh, for a couple of months during winter. We rented a motorhome and did a whole tour of the country. And another one was to Malaysia and Thailand a couple of years later. Now, what has been incredibly delightful to do is to go over the New Zealand travel diary and check out all the places that I thought were important and cool and what left a lasting impression on me when I was nine. Yeah, and at the risk of cutting you off on that one, Cam, um, I would like to draw the audience's attention to the fact that Ash Burton got its own dot 
Well, geographically, as a nine-year-old, probably didn't understand what the hot tourist attractions were. I suspect, <laughs> and this, this is this is not this is not meant to talk Ashburton down in any way, but I have no doubt that I drew that map at the start of the trip before I knew where we'd be spending our time because I've oh. I've basically highlighted the, the cities on the west coast, um, sorry, on east the coast. the east coast. Yeah. So on on my map, I've got Dunedin, Christchurch. Uh, I think Timaru might even get a mention, and definitely Ashburton. Wow. Um, not knowing that, of course, if you're a tourist in a motorhome, you spend nearly no time in any of those places. Yeah, and if I was more organised and knew that you were going to mention this, I would have then broken into Deja Voodoo today, tomorrow, Timaru. I would have had that playing uh, because one of the best parts of that song is that it just calls out hotspots from State Highway 1 between Timaru and Christchurch. And who doesn't want that? So as you were talking about the conversations that you've had with your mum by virtue of just being there, it kind of, it's, it's got me thinking. So my fad of the week, oh, do you want to play the, do you want to play the doofer? So my fad of the week is being with other people. (laughs) (laughs) You are the only person I know who can say that and mean it in such a unique way because you are quite a social, incredibly introverted person. I mean, yeah, nah. So my fan of the week is being with other people. So I'm in Queenstown right now, and not only am I here, but usually I come here to hide from, you know, my my loved ones. Uh, and and this time I'm here with 20 other people. So I'm I'm on this amazing group trip with a professional development group that I've been in for a few years, and we haven't seen each other in person for a couple of years for obvious reasons. And so we're all here for the week um, from across New Zealand and Australia to spend time together and and whatever. And it's been it's been brilliant. It has been really brilliant. But even prior to this, I keep this week spending time with people on purpose. So I had a client meeting uh, this week where we... <laughs> Sorry, can we just get a, an estimate of the ratio of time you spend with other people either accidentally or under duress? Oh, so so usually I would spend about 10% of my time with other people, like on purpose, and this week, <laughs> like waking hours, and this week it's been like 80%. Stunning numbers. How have you found it? Thank you. Thank you. Well, actually, I'm really enjoying it. I've I've noticed that I get tired, uh, but I have been really enjoying it. And so not only am I here on this kind of organised holiday, but I had this client meeting this week where we were talking about some online workshops we had booked that we'd booked in a while ago. And I found myself saying, you know, I think this would go a lot better if we were in person. Shall we, shall I come down? And he was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the incredulity that he's been conditioned by you to never expect to see you. Yes. Yes, it is. And 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 last week, same thing. I had uh, an online workshop booked with a group that I've been working with for about a year. And we had a workshop booked for the next day. And we were doing that like pre-meeting meeting you do where you're like, what are we going to do tomorrow? And they were like, oh, we're having a bit of a tough time. And I was like, fuck it. Should I just get on a plane? Should I just come to you? We can do that, you know. And they were like, yeah. And so we all got together and we spent hours in the same room. So, look, my fan of the week is spending time with other people. And honestly, I quite like it, as it turns out. And it, it leads me onto my kind of wondering of the week, Cam, which has been, I guess, how little I can trust my own thoughts and feelings. 
And I wonder how widespread that is. So one of the realizations I had in COVID was just how introverted I often am and how much I like to be on my own and how much time I need on my own to recharge. And that is true. That is, that's always been true and that's okay. But I had at some point, and we've talked about this on the show before, I started telling myself a story that I didn't want to be with other people anyway, which is actually a very Alicia Mackay response to an uncontrollable circumstance. <laughs> to be like, good, fuck you then. Great coping strategy, isn't it? Like if it something really is, is going if something's going in a certain direction and I can't control it, well, it's because I decided I like it that way. I'm in complete control here. Totally. And so like I wasn't popular at high school. Uh, I was never going to be cool. I was never going to have the right clothes on. And so I immediately, by about 12, realised that the best way to cope with that was to be like, fucking hate the popular kids, losers. I, <laughs> I want to be an outcast. Oh, imagine dressing the same as everyone else. You'd have to be an idiot. <laughs> Which was real convenient given I couldn't afford any of the same gear. Uh, okay, so if it's a fad of the week for you to be reconnecting with people and enjoying it, how are you reconciling that with the former behaviour? Is this a, And you were talking about externalising maybe the, the rationale of it. Where, what conclusion have you come to? I think, and it's a shame that Callum Valentine's not with us this morning, actually, because he has a great theory about just how little free will we have. The way I'm reconciling that is that I suspect there's been a lot of stories that people have told themselves over the last couple of years to to cope. And so my version of that is my usual one, which I didn't want it anyway. Uh, But I reckon there's a few different stories that people have had to tell themselves to cope with the last couple of years. And what I find really interesting is how little we sometimes acknowledge the power of the rest of the world to shape how we feel and what's happening in our life, you know. So I keep talking to people and we've had, we're all like, oh, you know, regardless of COVID, it's been a big year or two, you know, I've been through some shit. And I've realised some things about myself or something's changed in my job or my relationship or I've left my partner or I've got a new one or I've realised that this my career wasn't for me and I've started a new one. And there is a lot of that at the moment. And it's like, it can't be a coincidence, this sort of great re-examination of our identity and our place in the world. It, it can't be a coincidence that we've got internalised chaos Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I think happens uh, asynchronously, i.e. so the COVID experience was a unified one, something that happens to people individually, and I've heard this a lot of times, is people discovering way more about their partner when they go on a long holiday together. So you can have known each other for a long time, been together for a long time, living together for a long time, but there's something different about the forced extended period of time you spend together when you're on holiday. And heaps of relationships uh, find a really new terrain when you spend that amount of time together. And so lockdown was probably a similar experience, but for a long time for everybody. And like not a holiday. (laughs) And also not a holiday. (laughs) And not going anywhere. I don't just think it's lockdown, and this is where I've been sort of sitting with this over the last couple of days where, okay, yeah, there's the obvious thing around like lockdown and working from home and being with your family, and that's cool. But actually there's been this sort of great upheaval in the world, and that upheaval we've responded to in our own lives, and you would never say, oh, you know, the world felt a bit ambiguous and so I got a divorce. Like you would never see that kind of immediate link. But it can't be a fucking coincidence that there's so much 
weirdness in our lives at the same time that the world happens to be having all the weirdness. And Well, you probably would agree or acknowledge that COVID had a lot to do with it, but you want to believe as a human that you have a fair bit of agency around your own decisions and behaviour, right? That's it. That's it. That is it. And so this brings me back to my original kind of realisation on this where I was like, I cannot trust how I think and feel. When my brain says, Alicia, you do not want to spend time with your friends and loved ones, I'm not going to listen to the bastard because I'm like, you don't even know. Because then I turn up in this room with these people and I'm like, fuck, this is great. I love this. My brain doesn't even know me. Why am I listening to that idiot? I'm not listening to that guy anymore. Oh, um, so I've got a relatable experience uh, that only happened a day or two ago. And so I had organised with someone I know not particularly well to do a little bit of work together, a little bit of a, a, an event together. And I was all excited about it and I was getting a bit of momentum. And that's the thing I struggle with. I struggle with maintaining momentum under my own steam. So when this other person said, hey, Cam, do you want to do something together? I was like, perfect. Yes, I do. Bang. Uh, bit it with, bit right into it. And I was super keen. <laughs> Sorry, did you say, like, did you do that on the phone call? Um, I think I did because what happened was the next day I got a message when we were meant to check in and update about it. She was like, mm, yeah, actually, maybe I don't want to do that with you. And there are a whole bunch of reasons that were completely fine and valid. But of course, all I heard was stinging personal rejection. That's what I'm hearing. Just to be clear, like that's yeah. definitely what I'm hearing in this. <laughs> Hear me out here. So at the time <laughs> at the time that it happened, like when I, when I first... When I first read or rather heard, you sent me a little video, when I first heard about it, my stomach just dropped and I felt awful. And I, But I knew that I will not reply to this right now. If I reply right now, it is not going to be a good response. I'm feeling a whole flood of emotions and feelings that aren't what I really think. And I need to give my brain probably a whole day, which is what I did, to work out how I actually feel about it before I respond. And mm. I was reflecting that I probably wouldn't have done that the same way two years ago. The last two years has been a lesson, I think, for a lot of people to examine your physical or physiological reactions a little bit more closely before acting them because of this unified experience that we're all in this really different environment and how you think and feel has been conditioned by forces beyond your control in a way that your brain doesn't like. Oh, okay, yeah, but like... I reckon it's really useful to be like, oh, I've like been on a journey in the last two years and I've emerged, I'm re-emerging into the world a better person. And it is worth saying um, that someone I'm with a couple of days ago like called the end of the pandemic. They were like, hey, I know there's a lot to go, but can we just call it now and be like, we're we're back now? And I was like, fuck yes, I'm down for that. Um, Well, I think a lot of people have tried to do that and it ends up with the COVID rates being higher than ever. And in fact, life is still hugely impacted. So noble idea. It's still a pain in the dick. But what I want to... What I want to call to with your whole like, oh, I'm better now, which honestly, that is great. I'm into that. I think that's awesome. And I think there's a bunch of people who are like, I'm a better person now that I've spent more time with my family or reconsidered my priorities, etc. I'm pretty sure I'm a worse person than I was two years ago. <laughs> 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 um, I, I keep hearing stories of growth and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've contracted actually on most measures and I'm okay with that. <laughs> like I'm okay with the fact that I've just kind of, you know, rolled around in my own shit for a bit and I'm going to come out. Now Now I'm going to be better. Like, now I'm going to be better. That's cool. So are you, are you attributing the decline or the contraction to external forces or are you taking agency on this one? Nah, I'm, like, I, I think it's a bit of both, as we've talked about. Like, it would be easy for me to be like, oh, wow, why am I fucked up now? And actually, nah, like, it's all, it's all connected, isn't it? But I just, <laughs> what I don't think is helpful is to just 
you know, like lemonade, all the lemons. Some of them are just stingy and some of them got squirted in your eye. <laughs> Love the metaphor. Hey, this is a, probably a good point to transition into something we were that came up as we were discussing this show. So for anyone who was watching live last week, you'll, ah. you will have realised that when we ended the show as we usually do, I forgot to hit the end broadcast button. So the end titles played, and for those listening, that's usually when the broadcast ends, but I accidentally left it live. So the titles ended, and then it just went back to the three of us. And there's a complete mood shift when you're no longer on air. There's a, a total change in demeanour. And I Which, presented- by the way, Tim, is a lot better. Like, what I want to channel a lot more of is the vibe you have when you breathe out after the thing stops ticking around, and you're like... Oh, yeah, how was that? <laughs> we well, and at the time, <laughs> and the reason why it was a problem was because my reflection was that what I'd just done was shit. I'd presented a segment that contained war crimes, which got edited from the show because oh, it was a bit raw. it's not good entertainment, Cam, the war <laughs> no, crimes, no, I, fuck's I, I mis- sake. I misjudged it completely. And so, and our, and our podcast producer, Kane, who's wonderful, uh, very politely just said, yeah, I edited that bit out. I, that's so bad. <laughs> Didn't even need to be told. So when you sometimes beat yourself up and think you've done a bad job, you're wrong. Circumstances have just made you feel that way and objectively you should reconsider. This was not one of those times. This was objectively poor. And the moment that happened, yeah, go on. So the the yarn, yeah, no, it was a bit off base, Cam. Like it started off good and it got a bit off base. I'm glad we pulled it out. That's all right. We've all done a bit of that. However, the accidental pickup of the live chat, of the live debrief afterwards is, I think, one of the best parts of the show. And so what I'm a little bit upset about is that we've, we scrubbed that off LinkedIn. Well, somebody scrubbed it off LinkedIn and fair enough. Um, I, I get it. But actually this show, when we stream live, streams to LinkedIn, YouTube and Facebook. And so on YouTube and Facebook, just letting our viewers know, <laughs> just so if you wanted to check it out, when you go back, that that additional 12 minutes or whatever is still there. It hasn't been scrubbed. It has been scrubbed off the podcast recording and fair enough, like it would have been garbage to listen to. But when you watch the three of us, and Harriet, actually, who was there, my seven-year-old daughter, just relax and go like, oh, and you're like, fuck, sorry, team, that, was, that wasn't great. And we're like, nah, nah, it's all right, like it happens. And, and then with this, just this very relaxed conversation, and I've had a bunch of comments and messages from people saying, I love that real bit at the end where you, where you like, thanks for that bit. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, the the window into someone's actual feeling is often more interesting than what they're trying to present to the world. And I think if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that people appreciate, and I hate the word because it's starting to get jargony already, but they just appreciate the authenticity of it. Like, this is actually you. This is actually how you feel. You're no longer presenting something that you thought we'd like. You're just saying what is actually going on. And that's a, a joy for a lot of people to feel invited to that kind of conversation or to be peering in the window or wherever they are. And so in our peering experience... In the <laughs> well, <it's... laughs> Hey, just to be clear, our valued and treasured viewers, um, we don't consider you to be, you know, peeping toms. <laughs> <laughs> You're invited. You're invited. Life. But no, I think you're right. And I reckon authenticity has been bastardized a little bit. And that there's like, oh, there's kind of a place for a day. Like, if authenticity is you just kind of processing your own shit to people that rely on you, that's actually not okay. And I've seen that gone wrong with, um, with parents and leaders and bosses and public speakers. And it's always a bit like, like maybe you should have saved that for your therapist, mate. But I do think that there is more of an appetite 
for reality and not reality like reality TV reality because we had a shot there, didn't we? Like we we made a whole format on TV where we were like, what if we checked what it was like in people's actual lives? And then we just immediately ruined it and scripted it and produced it and made it fake and it like we kind of fucked it reality TV thing. God, I've sworn a lot this morning. I'm so yeah, sorry. Yeah, very, very sweary oh, today. No, going to have a good time good, pulling out it? a PG uh, excerpt for the intro. Yeah, um, so what good. I wanted to add to that was so so both of us work in areas where we're trying to help people rediscover or to show that authentic self. And quite often one of the things that I've I've seen you do brilliantly, and honestly, I've tried to emulate it from you because you do it so well, is to encourage people if they're not sure how they should act or what they should say or what they're doing, to talk about that, talk about the feeling they're currently having. So if I'm trying to produce a piece of work or deal with a client or put something on LinkedIn or whatever it is that I'm doing and, I, and I'm battling with it, the interesting thing is the battle. It's present, it's real, and it's likely to contain an emotion which I haven't really sorted through yet. And people find that, I think, quite engaging. When you feel like you're not getting a rehearsed performance, you're getting what's actually going on in that moment. Yeah, but there's an element of service in that that I think is really important. So the caveat, if you're in a position of responsibility and people are looking at you, and whether that's because you're posting on social media or you are you know, talking to your staff or talking to your kids or whatever, there needs to be an element of service in that in order for it to be okay. It's like, I'm having a weird feeling that I need to work through. I wonder if it would benefit others to talk about this or to hear about this or to be part of this process as opposed to just, I've got some shit. I might give it to you. because it's <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. I had, I had incorrectly assumed that that part was self-evident and it is not. It is not. And so one of the things I think that's really helpful, and we talked about this again in a professional context recently, was to imagine that the conversation or the moment is, is its own entity and it's sitting in between you and whoever you're talking to one person or an audience. It's not you, it's the moment, it's the time. And you can almost physically put your hands out and hold the moment in front of you. And instead of asking, what do I need or what do I feel like? You're saying, what does this moment need? And instead of it being a a therapy session navel gaze, you can instead look at it a bit more objectively and say, what does this moment need? And often what the moment needs is just a fresh, frank appraisal of what's going on, as you say, in service of everyone. I really like that. And also, I think, like, what I'm really happy about with this authenticity trend is I've always been allergic to bullshit. Like, I can smell it a mile away. And from from a therapy on stage perspective, like, I um, I read a really good article about this recently that suggests if you've had a tough early life, it's really common in adulthood to just be so intolerant of fakeness because it's, it's not safe. And so I'm like, yeah, it's not safe. And authenticity is not safe. My problem is that that extends to things like politeness and and manners and social norms. When I people are just trying to be polite, and my instinct is to be like, "Oh fuck off! You're not being honest. You're just like I would rather you be rude to me and me feel like that's how you actually feel." So this is probably why I'm struggling with being around people. You often get on the front foot with that too. <laughs> I do. But look, I have to get on a bus for breakfast in eight minutes. And I reckon you've got a segment about the bizarre fuckery. Look, here I keep I keep going. Can we edit this cane later? That is Australian <laughs> politics. Now, could you clue us in on what's going on over the ditch camp? 
Well, it's the federal election tomorrow. And uh, more than ever before, there's been a whole bunch of pre-voting because of COVID and restrictions and people not wanting to be in crowds necessarily, or maybe just a change in energy or a social trend. Heaps of people have early voted. Now, I'm in a really safe seat uh, where I'm in central Melbourne. Uh, House of Reps has been held by Adam Bant, the uh, only Greens uh, member elected in the House of Reps, and that's pretty safe. So there's not a lot going on in my electorate or my mother's for that matter. However, there's a really interesting battle going on in the seat held by the current incumbent, Josh Frydenberg, who is the federal treasurer. Now, this seat has been held by the Liberal Party, which are not liberal if you're not familiar with Australian politics. There's a right-leaning party, but they're called the Liberal Party because confusion. That seat's been held by the Liberal Party forever, since Federation. I think there might have been a small window when it wasn't. This seat has traditionally been so safely liberal voting that it's been pretty much neglected, as often happens in election campaigns. Now, the reason it's become hotly contested is largely because while our federal government is currently Liberal, the state government is Labor. And so what's happened is (laughs) during the pandemic over the last two years, the federal government's just been shitting on the state government of Victoria. And Josh Frydenberg, the treasurer, who is the elected representative of Kooyong in Melbourne's inner east, in his federal position, has also been shitting on Victoria believing that he was so safe that it didn't matter and he could just flip the switch when it was federal election time and come back to his forgiving voters. Is that a widely accepted political term, Cam, shitting on a state? Um, I think you wouldn't find a lot of disagreement and that's right, this is this has developed. Like all through the pandemic, he was criticising Victoria's pandemic response, calling New South Wales the gold standard. And so these people in Melbourne feel really betrayed by this guy. He was representing the federal government shitting on Victoria at a time when everyone was desperate and things were awful. And now he's expecting them to come crawling back and they're not. And so there's an independent running in this electorate and the campaign has been absolutely phenomenal. Now, the thing that has connected me to it at a personal level is that um, we are both quite well connected to a man who's been instrumental in building the door knocking team. And they have smashed all records for door knocking. So previously, I think the biggest number of volunteers for an independent was about 200 people. They are up to 3,000. They have door knocked on 55,000 homes. They have had 22,000 conversations with actual people. It has been amazing to watch. And the tide of belief that an independent can make a true and honest difference has been absolutely stunning. And so the thing that's hilarious about this, just from a spectacle point of view, is that Josh Frydenberg will not go to his electorate to campaign because he knows they hate him. Oh, hang on. That's an assumption. He might be busy. He'd have to be very busy because he hasn't been to any of the town halls, won't accept (laughs) a debate, won't do anything. And so he's just been absent. He's been completely absent. And the debates that he's willing to go on are on the Murdoch press, who Murdoch media backs the Liberal Party. It's all very clear where their allegiances lie. Oh, and for for New Zealanders listening in who aren't aware of how this works, you know how in New Zealand, like, sometimes our papers are a little bit like, oh, you're probably favouring one side, but not really. Like, we just assume that journalists are trying to tell us an, an objective version of something. Oh, we don't have that. In Australia, they don't <laughs> do that. Like, their newspapers have agendas. Horrific. They're basically brochures. They're paid brochures. It's not flash. So Josh Frydenberg basically hasn't turned up his electorate until about the last couple of weeks. He's refused to go to the town halls because the people who are willing to turn out to the town halls are the people who don't like him. He's relying on the silent, consistent voters who've always voted that way to just do so quietly and get it done. 
Now, our Prime Minister is also a fairly disliked man. Most, uh, most notably, the decline in his public popularity started when he went to Hawaii while Australia was on fire. And he's, there's a whole bunch of awkward gaffes where he's tried to shake people's hands in that really awkward dad way and people just haven't wanted a bar of it. He's embarked on these bizarre PR campaigns trying to be photographed as an everyman. Uh, really... <gasps> Is this the one where he, like, wears all the different uniforms? And he's, I quite like I quite like the skits. I'm into the, um, the dress-ups. I like them. So he went to a hairdresser's and washed someone's hair and then he went to a, a factory and... <laughs> And, and, and put on a welding mask and then took it off while he was welding. Like, could not have screwed this up anymore. Donald Trump staring into the solar eclipse style. And then just a few, just a couple of days ago, he tackled a kid to the ground playing soccer in just an incredible display of clumsiness. That's been his strategy. <laughs> no, honestly, it has just been absolutely hilarious. And the response from the incumbents has been to adopt this bizarre strategy of just saying, oh, please keep us. Please just vote for us. We we don't have a lot on merit. You don't really you don't really like our policies, but but at least you know us. Hey, and this is actually tapping into a really powerful sunk cost and loss aversion bias, right? Where it's like, but what if the new chick isn't as good as she looks? Like maybe we should just stick with what we've got. It's been a weird time. That's actually not a stupid political strategy in terms of people's. If we're if we're tapping into fear, which I think we are, uh, then there you go. <laughs> Well, yeah, at the risk of going into dangerous territory, that's pretty much the same emotional abuse. Like, why didn't you just leave? Terrifying stuff. Uh, that was war crimes level commentary, Cam. <laughs> that, like, can we just scrub that from the record? Not, not good. I mean, this is, and this is from a woman who did talk about surprise pregnancies two weeks ago <laughs> as a Christmas present. <laughs> Well, look, we've come to the natural end. We've learnt that as soon as I stray into that territory, we should probably wrap it up. Now, I want to play a clip now that is not current. This is about four or five years old, but it is one of the funniest times I've ever seen a politician try to pivot a topic. So this is from the debate around the gay marriage plebiscite, which is just shameful and embarrassing that it was even a conversation. Uh, I'm about to play a clip from an MP called Bob Catter, who's from far north Queensland, and he is conservative. Uh, He's against a whole bunch of progressive policies. And when pressed on his attitude to the gay marriage plebiscite, here is what he had to say. I mean, you know, people are entitled to their sexual proclivities. You know, I mean, let there be a thousand... Blossoms bloom, as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland. (laughs) 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 That is an exceptional display of whataboutism, isn't it? Like, and you know what? If he's had a mate ripped apart by a fucking crocodile, like, I'm with him. Yeah, look, good on you. Actually, it's factually quite a stretch too, but the idea that you could inflate the uh, the debate over the having equal rights for people who want to get married with a pretty random and unlikely chance of being eaten by a crocodile, that is like, a... Be as gay as you like, but have you thought about what might happen if you go swimming and a bloody creek in Queensland, because it's pretty, it's pretty dicey, guys. We've got bigger fish to fry here, mate. Crocodiles. Uh, okay, I quite like that. And I'm also really conscious that if we were trying to, like, weed out um, viewers and listeners based on their political leanings, and we hadn't done a good enough job of that yet, by covering topics like, um, I don't know, a feeling about the media, about the war, about women's rights, 
I think we've really put a line in the sand now that's made it quite obvious that, you know what, we're not, we're not on the right. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that's quite good. And there's nothing more than a, uh, more appealing than a bleeding heart liberal capitalist who both benefits from the systems and also takes a stab at them, which I believe we could both really file ourselves under if we were picking a category, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. I think hypocrisy of democratic socialists who also enjoy hoarding wealth and flying in planes is something to be admired. Yeah, and on that note, I've actually got a wee brunch to get to. So um, thank you all, everybody, for joining us again for another episode of The Alicia Mackay Show this morning. Uh, We've covered everything from Can You Believe Your Own Brain? Is It Nice To Be With Other People? Is Fear and Loss Aversion an Effective Political Strategy? And Are We All Raging Hypocrites? Which, quite frankly, of course we are. Also, I swore a lot, and I am sorry about that. And if, like, I know that I am a bit of a swearer, and um, and some of you are okay with that, and others are like, oh, it's not great, but we sort of put up with it because we quite like what she's got to say. But today might have been the tipping point for you, where you went, do you know what? I don't care how clever she is or what she's got to say. If she can't go four words without an F bomb, <laughs> I'm going to stop <laughs> tuning in. And you could be forgiven for that. So if we've lost you, oh, look, I do apologise. And, and, you know, thanks for joining us for the last couple of months. It's been a good ride. Have a beautiful time, everybody. And if you're in Australia, enjoy your democracy sausage. See you later. Woo!